You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Um, the before to the after the show discussion was not this, but I'm going to bring this up right now. Because there was none. There was well, no discussion. We, yeah, were we were both sitting here pretty much in silence, doing our own thing. You were playing Scrabble. Yes, and you were messing with your computer. True. Uh, but what I was going to say at the beginning here is, <clears throat> I'm going to experiment this week, and this podcast might sound a little bit better, because I'm going to up the bitrate slightly. So, if you want to give me some feedback, if you're a person listening to it, you can email me at ascully at Tell me if you think it sounds better, worse, or whatever. Do it you should care? Do sound you care? better. Well, it should sound better because I'm going to. I've reinstalled Audacity, and I'm going to. I think it's mostly people who listen on headphones because I know when I listen to something on headphones, the digital sound that that weird noise. I call it like a sharp thing. It just po- pokes my head inside. Whereas if you just listen to it on your speakers, that usually doesn't get to me so bad. So no. So uh, yeah, you might notice a little improvement. You might think it's worse. You might think it's better. Let me know. So sit talk. This is after the show. This is after the show number 360. We've done 360 of these podcasts. And it is a podcast where we review a movie every week. And this week's movie, on Saturday, January the 24th, is Annabelle. It's a 2014 movie. It's released on Blu-ray on the 20th of January. So you can pick it up now. Possibly. No, this week. You can pick it up this coming upcoming Tuesday. The 20th? That was last week. It's the 24th today. Oh, you can pick it up now. <laughs> you just said it was January 24th. <laughs> yeah. You can pick it up now. So, uh, yeah, it came out this week. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sidtok, give us the synopsis of Annabelle. I think the cover gives you the synopsis. Yeah. Look what it says on the cover. It's a creepy doll. Oh, right. It says, Before the conjuring, there was Annabelle. Yeah. Well, if you don't know what the conjuring is, this is separate. You have to just think of it as a separate thing. It is about a creepy doll that gets creepier because of supernatural reasons. And basically a little slice of the story involving the humans who have to deal with it. That's about it. That's right? exactly that. <laughs> so let me say, um, let me ask you a question first. Um, and it's unrelated to Annabelle in a way. What do you think of horror films in general? Are you a horror fan? Uh, is it one of your favorite genres? I think so, but in a different way than some other people. I listen to people talk about horror films as if there was a... And even in the extras of this one, we get an element of people, an element in what they say, that tells you that they believe that what's being represented is somehow true. And therefore, if I'm watching a movie about demonic spirits, it confirms to me, even though it's 100% fiction, that they're demonic spirits in this world. Yeah. And if you're watching, you know, um, something that's like Jason, who just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back, that, that because of some satanic, horrible, hell-driven thing, that then they, they're, they like, I don't know, people who believe in that? Somehow that sort of fuels that a little bit. And I just always think that this has nothing to do with why I like horror films. 
I like, I don't even know what it is. And I like all kinds because I've watched really cheap, shitty ones, as we know. And of course, we go all the way up to what, like Exorcist, which I think is top quality. I think even 2001 A Space Odyssey could be considered a horror movie to some degree. Just because, just because there's no gore doesn't mean it's not something horrific I think happening. Alien. When most people would say, oh, that's a sci-fi movie, I yeah. think it's really a, a haunted house movie. Because it's like, they're trapped in this small space and there's a monster. You know, yeah, it's... and anything that can make me, even today, even though I don't think Annabelle's fantastic, but we'll get to that. But even today, I get that, <laughs> shit, oh shit. Like, And then that feeling of, if I were in that room and that thing was happening, would I be freaking out? It has nothing to do with reality. It's just, I like that. So thought. you would say you're a horror... Um, I'm a horror fan, but I'm not like Fangora kind of fan. All right, I am going to go on record to say I um, I used to be a horror fan like years and years and years ago. Like I was a Evil Dead and stuff. I was a bigger horror fan back then. You know, The Exorcist, Evil Dead. Growing up, you know, impressionable years watching these crazy horror films. You know, and you know, being scared of them. Actually, I remember being scared of a lot of them. Um. I've gone slightly jaded on horror over the years, and I, I'll probably express exactly why during the review of Annabelle, but let's get on to the review of Annabelle. Uh, I want to say, I preface this with, I love The Conjuring. I thought it was one of my favourite horror films of last year, was it? Yeah, it was last year. Um, I think The Conjuring was really well done. It was actually scary and spooky and kind of weird. Like, it was... It was done in this retro style, like, uh, you know, like The Exorcist. They kind of filmed it in that way. It was set back in the 70s. And I liked I liked what they did with it, the whole thing. So I was looking forward to seeing Annabelle, you know. It's not by James Wan, who's actually left to go and make Fast and the Furious movies. So we don't get any horror movies from him. He produced it. He produced this one, yeah. yeah. But he's kind of, he's left the, you know, he did Insidious. And he, he left now to go and make Fast and the Furious movies. But... I was looking forward to seeing what this was. And I have to say, I was thoroughly disappointed by the whole thing. Really? I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I was... I was. There was one moment during the movie where I was... Where I thought to myself, horror movies have really... You know... Don't judge them all by one movie. That's not fair. No, not all. But mainstream Hollywood horror movies, let's say. You know, like the the franchise type ones that they make. You know, every year there's one of them. They're just treading the, the they're just treading water. They're just doing the same thing over and over. You like, and this one, it felt very lazy to me because first off, it's it's clutching onto an idea that the Conjuring wasn't about Annabelle. Not at all. She not was a, just a prop. She was in it, right? Well, not even. She was just a prop in one scene. Yeah, in one scene. And it was, you looked at it and went, oh, that's a creepy doll. <laughs> so it's kind of clutching at straws to make, give her her own movie. And actually, her having her own movie, she's also not really, she's in it. She's in it bits and pieces, but it's not really about it. So the whole thing to me was the scares in this movie, which I, I feel are very little. I didn't have any many scares to it. I had about three that the were The scares good. are just from noise, like... They play loud music. They play like a loud, like a funny sound when something, and it's jump scares. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, oh. They're a bit lazy to me, those kind of scares. I like being thoroughly creeped out by something, like literally creeped out. Uh, insidious, while it's a bit wacky, 
And that's a James Wan movie. Yeah, there's a few it's creepy, creepy. It's fucking weird. Like you, you're you're kind of going, oh, what what the hell? I don't even know what's going on. And it's when like... they do, just see that thing in the corner, and you're like, it's. Oh, and there was like, one moment in this movie which I think is brilliant, and it's brilliant. Like I was like, holy shit, this is going to be good now. And it's just a li- it's a little girl, and mm-hmm. she runs. What do I tell them if they yeah. don't see it? Well, she, you know, it's a running scene with a little girl. <laughs> a running scene. I didn't spoil it. So. um... That scene was good, and also I was watching it, and when when it was about ten minutes away from the end, I was thinking to myself, "Is this it? Is, is really is this going to be it? Like now?" That's what I thought, and it was. Yeah, exactly what. It, and I was like, "Wow, there's not much creativity to it." Yes, it's creepy, but. Anywhere's creepy when it's a dark house and there's people walking around and floorboards are creaking. Any of that's creepy anyway. And this is just literally set up to be creepy. But ultimately, I, I felt it's there was no like payoff. It's almost like they want to build a franchise on the yeah. items in that room. Yeah. So if there was another item that they could attribute to that room, that museum or whatever of those people. Yeah, from exactly. Yeah. The Conjuring. Because the, the Conjuring is this couple... A real couple from the, the 70s who claimed to have done exorcisms and got rid of spirits and saw demonic possessions of houses and people and things. Really, they claim that's real. So this, The Conjuring was about one of their instances of you know, like a house that was creeped out yeah. by something. And at the beginning of the movie, we go to their house, and in their house is a room where they take these these objects that like a museum. there's a theory in these movies, and probably some people in reality, for some fucking reason, think this coaster right here has the ability coaster, to yeah. be able to be connected to a spirit in another world. It attaches itself to this coaster, and no matter where this coaster goes, bad things happen. In that room... Annabelle's in a box, and all these other items are in there, so it's creepy stuff, like a shrunken head, and a weird gavel, and a little china thing sitting on a shelf. Some of it's just innocuous. I feel like they want to revisit that room and those people, and say, oh, what other things can we tell the story of how they got to this room? And then at some point, let's tell a story, let's tell one final movie where that room, somehow... It, it actually smacks of everything the gets, Conjuring franchise. It, it does. It does, yeah. And, and and it's happened over the years. Paranormal Activity came along. It's a found footage kind of movie. It it caught on. People loved it. Then they went on to make one every single year for five or six years, right? This is, you know, this is one last year, one this year. It's, it's like, oh, we need a horror franchise again so we can put a horror movie out at a particular time of year. And that's how I feel this is going. Because this, it's all, almost, this story didn't really need telling to me. Like, it was, yes, there were some spooky moments. It was a bit cheap in, in, in the most of, to me. Some of it smacked of, like, television uh, movie of the week a little bit. Some of it. And it was just the, the, the acting was a bit, Sometimes it was a bit weird. Yeah. It was almost like they were rehearsing and weren't aware that they were doing... Like, three times, I remember thinking. Three or yeah, four it's times. just moments of it. Some of it, you're like, oh, this is good. But I'm not as down on it as you at all. I think that... I don't think any movie shouldn't be made. I just I thought that The Conjuring... Bit, it's a bit of a massive judgment Well, to I thought The Conjuring was, like, super high quality. It had some really good actors in it, and it was it was genuinely creepy. Like, I was, it was creeped creepy. by it. Yes. It was. It had good sound effects. James Wan directed it, and he he's good at that scary stuff. It wasn't just cheap scares. It was like actual creepy shit. Like it was like 
yes, there was stuff jumping out at you, but there was also stuff where you're like, oh, I'm going to Yeah, but some could say that hearing a noise from the cellar that creeps you out is also a cheap scare because there's nothing to it except a sound that they're feeding There's actually images in The Conjuring that haven't left my mind still, and I I still can see them happening, like, uh, just fucking weird images, like. Right. You know, that. It, I, the, it stuck with me. Oh, see, that part to me is the cheapest part of all. Yeah, but it all stuck with me. That it creeped right. me out. Right, I forgot about it until you just... Annabelle, uh, I, can t- I can honestly tell you, I think it's almost left me now. And we only saw it like an hour or two ago. No, that little girl won't leave you. Because that was good. That was a good one. Yeah, that... that it, and I actually think that the initial thing that happens with the other house, that was pretty good. It was really intense. It was, you know, like... I actually shit. think the best... But it was like, here's what I think about the way it's written... As a story of people dealing with this crazy shit that's happening, like there's the first thing that actually happens and the weird shit that starts happening, they're very, she's very blasé. I mean, she gets would, a little bit riled, but he's completely like a puppet. I like, would like no, to say. It's almost like he's like everything he just goes, anything you want, anything you want. He does get riled up at one point because he's forced to in one situation. They're very blah. And I, I don't know if it's like... I think they were trying to be like a 70s movie. Like that slow moving, like... Like I was thinking of the scene the in The Exorcist where she's in the kitchen with the cook lady and they're talking about the rats upstairs possibly. And it's just, they're just having a long conversation. It lasts several minutes. Reagan comes down. It's, it's the very beginning of the movie. It's really just a little conversation between mom and daughter and you get really into it. But there, you feel like there's some substance there. Whereas in this one, idea. they're all just... They're just blah. I was going to say. Even I, at the worst moments. I think it feels dull. There's a lot of the running time where I was like, this is actually dull. It's, it's, yes, something's going to happen, but it's not happening. And this stuff here where, you know, she's she's just in the room and she's falling asleep. And yeah, because even in like The Conjuring or um, Insidious, the mother who's, you know, there's a there's something about her, them that you feel really like oh yeah they're they're going to defend their children they're really terrified by whatever's going on or freaked out this woman unfortunately is not only does she kind of mumble a lot oh, she's british and she's trying to be american she mumbles a lot and you can't always understand what she's saying and there's not a ton to like about her to be honest there I, isn't. I, I wasn't like oh i really love this couple i need to i need to be invested in them and these they need to get through this yeah. like, i wasn't like that he's like mr perfect looking doctor and she's like miss perfect little wife with the perfect little yeah. baby and it's really hard to care. They don't get grungy. They don't get messy. Not even a little bit. Oh, and it was totally like, <laughs> you know, like cliches in these kind of movies. <laughs> We're not sounding very positive, but I'll tell I'm you what. I'm not positive about it. But I'll tell you what. I actually enjoyed it. So I don't no. want people to think that we're both... I enjoyed it. No, I'm on the side of not I would give it a slightly above average just because there were like... I think there were about four or five things that made me either jump genuinely or maybe go, oh, like the... The carriage in the basement, and when you first realize there's a there's something else going on here, I was like, that made me go like, oh. So I give it credit for those little tiny things. The lady in the bookstore. Yeah, oh my god. When she turned up, I was like, oh, please, god. please, please, <laughs> she is not the seance person who's going to come over and st- and solve this. You Explain know, like, everything to you. You know, like this house is clean. She's not going to be her, <laughs> is she? I was like, it's going to turn into that. It's going to turn into that. 
Fortunately, to be fair, that's what the conjuring is. The conjuring does turn into that, but it's got kind and of insidious. A, we have the insidi- people come. insidious makes fun of it, kind of, which I liked. I kind of enjoyed that the way they made. Like, oh, I don't think they're trying to make fun of it. No, they were a bit in insidious. It was tongue in cheek. It was like, um, you know what? I think I, you're giving I, them too much. Credit. No, in insidious, it, I listened to the commentary, James Wan. It's like at this point in this type of movie, this happens, and we we do it. We're saying, hey, look, we're doing this as well, but our two guys are okay, kind of Okay, that's funny. a cop-out, because it just didn't work, and then he wanted to give you some explanation. Well, at least, I'm saying at least there was a... In this, I was like, oh, no, she's that she's that person. She's going to come with all her instruments in a minute, and we're going <laughs> to... But luckily, it wasn't that. But still, what, what it was was even not as interesting as any... At least that would have been interesting in some way. Um... So for me, it's it's a strange. Uh, like I want to see. I don't know if I want to see another movie in the Conjuring series. To be honest, I think you should stop there now. That's what was the Conjuring two like? Did we? I didn't watch there wasn't it. no Conjuring two. There was I the think... Conjuring and Annabelle. There was Insidious and Insidious two. Insidious two was another um, not made by the original person. Hmm. But the Conjuring was last year, and then there was this. This is the Conjuring two. In a, I think that's why I saw the Conjuring two on a box. No, you didn't, because there isn't one. There might be one of those. There's that movie company that try and make movies with the similar name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nothing to do with this series. But um, I wouldn't. You know, I don't really want to see another Conjuring movie. I think it. I think that first movie did did it. That's what it set out to do: be a creepy movie, and this. Is I bet they're going to do a Conjuring yep, Two because you're looking at that's why I see it Conjuring Two, the Enfield Poltergeist. So it's another story. It's another one of their stories, stories, the Warrens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, undisclosed at this time is so, the plot. So what a- what the Conjuring um, thing is doing is just going through the Warren stories. So, and if you don't know, the Amityville Horror, which was a very famous horror film in the seventies. Is one of the Warren stories too, like so. But they weren't even in that movie. In uh, Amityville Horror. They because they did it differently, didn't they? They did it from the they didn't they, they didn't, didn't do anything in that one. That was just everybody got slaughtered. Yeah. Kinda. Pretty much the priest came and died, and I don't remember anything. I mean, I haven't seen it for a long time, but I liked it at the time. But you know, I don't know what you know. By rights, they could be an Amityville Horror remake that's part of the Conjuring. Franchise. Here's the here's the here's the main thing that shouldn't bother me, but it bothers me. That as soon as that doll is in that box and she opens the box and she's in love with the doll, you know it's bullshit because that doll has been made intentionally to look horrific because they made they didn't think they would make an Annabelle movie. So in The Conjuring, she looks creepy as fuck. So they make her look the same, and there's nobody who is as what this woman is, she collects dolls, the pretty little de- delicate dolls. She's not going to love this doll. And I think they tried to overcome that by saying she's part of a set. And she has these other two kind of and big dolls. And somebody else said it too. But and I noticed you, it. stuck at out. At the end, yeah. And yeah. As soon as you see her though, and I'm looking at her, she doesn't even... In the extras, she looks at the doll and goes, Ugh. Like, oh, I don't even want to pick her up. Now, if she'd had a, even a hint of that, I would have... I would have even bought it a little bit more. But she was like, oh, like I've I'm, been watching I'm so delighted her. to see this horrific yeah. looking thing. And <laughs> you know that everyone on the set's like, eh. And all the other dolls on my shelf are all lovely. Yeah. None of those are creepy. They tried to make the other two that yeah. seemed to go with her look 
kind of that weird. Well, they didn't stuff. have like weird demon eyes and shit like this one does. <laughs> exactly. And I and th- that's the thing, you know, when she goes, he, he says, "I've got you a present," and it's in a big box, and she open he opens the box and she looks in, and it's there's just this. Well, you've seen it. It's yeah. on the it's on the cover of this Blu-ray. It's it's horrible. Like, you don't want to look at that. And she like I was like he, even he like he he doesn't go like. I, I got this for you, but it was, you know, it kind of freaked me out, but I got it anyway, like, because yeah. I know you wanted it. If Nobody ever yeah. says if that If we'd put creepy. a little bit of that in there, yeah. at least, I don't, not that that would make any of it better, but at least I would feel like, okay, I can connect with these people because they're not delusional about this weird doll. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it, for me, I, I, I can't say I enjoyed it. It was, um, it was, it was. I think he tried too much. Overdramatic a little bit. The director guy's really into like his shots and the long shots and the const the whatever it's called the one take and all that shit. It's like he, he concentrated focused, on that more than yes, the film. Con- yes, more s- flash over substance. And, and if you'd focus more on the script, like their conversations, like the meaning of everything, the this cult thing that's going on in there is really flimsy, unfortunately. But you know what? Some people. That's the thing about me in horror movies. I don't just sit there and, like, buy into everything that they're saying. It's kind of like I have a hard... Then again, I watched Dead Snow and loved it, but it was really flimsy. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> some movies are some movies are supposed to be out. Like, The Evil Dead, it's out there, isn't it? It's just like... Yeah, but then you're giving it a pass for having lame shit in it, just because you think that that's their intention or whatever. But, in fact, you just... Something appeals to you that's low class and low quality. They're actually trying to sell this movie to you as though it's a true story. When they even talk yeah. about it in the extras, it all happened according to them. Like, they're like, when were you based it on a true story? And you come out of the theatre... Well, then you'll know that... It's not just fiction. Yeah, you, you you just walked into the world that this actually happened in. No, I've always been in that world, but, but it never actually happened. <laughs> no. But, I mean, they talk about it that way. But I do like, know people who believe in this stuff, and that's what I'm saying. Those are the people who, when they watch one of these movies, then they go home and look at their creepy doll and go, it could get possessed, and they start researching shit, and I'm not into that. I just like the superficiality of it all, I guess. But I, you know, after really, you know... After really liking The Conjuring, and I, I did really like it, I thought the tone of it was so good, like, and it really called back on those old 70s horror movies. They did try and do it again here. It did have, like, that kind of pacing, like The Exorcist, where they were trying to be slow with the build-up and, and you know, not give you too much quickly. I just don't think it had anywhere near the class of any of those old films that it was trying to emulate. Um, she was called Mia because Mia Farrow is from... Mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. And I was reading, there was a few, like, uh, nods to old 70s horror movies. And it was obviously going for that. I just don't think it succeeded, really, at all. So they're trying to be too cool for school. Yeah, and I do think that is part of the problem. This director, it was was quite clear that he was really into, like, camera angles. The craft of directing. This looks cool in a movie. You stand behind somebody instead of going in front of them. They'll make you on edge. It was about that. More and he kept going, this is not a gimmick, this is not a gimmick, this is not a gimmick. Yeah, and I'm like, if you have it. to say it to reassure people, then it is. So I think that... People must just say it to him all the time. You're doing a gimmick there, aren't you? You're doing a gimmick. Like, and he's just like trying to, uns- you know, like, no, I'm not. It's art. It's art. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm doing, you know. And it very well it is in his mind, so that's fine. But you don't try to sell me on the idea that it's not a gimmick. So um, the cast here and... I don't know anybody in this movie either. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I there, there's nobody. Uh, you I can... always kind of poo-poo on that, which I think is funny. No, I, I think no. 
Seriously, though, when I say it feels like a TV, like made for TV movie in parts, not all the time. There was just certain parts where you, like you said, feel like they were not doing a proper take. When she's at the bookstore. Yeah. Um, when they're sitting at the it's table, like an when he brings of, the snack food in, it was almost like a, a school play for a yeah, second. Yeah, like an episode of Touched by an Angel <laughs> or something. Weird. I was like, wow, this this suddenly dropped like in quality all of a sudden. What's going on? Like, is it somebody's day off? Nobody looking? There's a bit of that going on in this movie. It's not intentional that. It's just that's how it came across, I guess. When the so, but yeah, it's the put the female lead uh, is actually called Annabelle. Um, Annabelle Wallace, and she plays Mia. And I don't think she was strong enough for this movie. That was... I agree. I didn't like her enough. Like, who was it in in um, The Country? Vera Flaminga, right? Yeah. And she was really... I think. She, well, she was the main woman, though. Not the mother, was she? The main woman. Either in Insidious or The Country. But she, could, she pulled it off for me. It was her and the guy from... In the country, and it was uh, the guy from Watchmen, who's just Rose uh, Byrne was in Insidious. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's Vera Flaminga in the in the country. But she's the main. She's not the mother. She's the ghost hunter lady. Right. Yes, she is. Yeah. And and the and the Patrick guy from Watchmen. He was the 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 guy who was the mother in Conjuring. The Conjuring. I don't know. That's that's. But I do remember everybody. Everybody in that really selling me on these people. Um. Yeah, they were the Warrens, Patrick and Vera for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Patrick, the Patrick guy actually has just been um, cast for Fargo season two. He's the main guy in it, so I'm interested to see. Oh yeah, her. Lily Taylor was the mother. Yeah. And she was good. And this this woman, Annabelle Wallace, she's, I know like the character's supposed to be a little bit weak, but I, the personality never shone through for me. I was like... Mm. Yeah, there's nothing to her. And and I think that might be the point. Like, there's, she's a bit... Because in The Conjuring, you get the clue that that mom is a little bit on edge anyway. She has some anxiety issues. So then you can kind of go with that. And plus, Lily Taylor, I think, is just really good at everything. Pretty much everything. And, <laughs> and this mother is just... There's just... She's a young mother. It's not even established that she's, like, super excited about having a baby. She's not, like... I don't know. He's not either. He's nothing. He's like a puppet. Like a puppet of a... I, I, I just don't think there's enough character development on them both. No. It's like, it's like here's this young couple. There's this thing happens. We only have... He's a little bit self-absorbed because he's working on going through medical school. Yeah. And that we get the hint, barely a hint, that he wasn't expecting to have a baby yet. That's like... And you have to infer that. And they haven't got much money. They're he not going to have much money, yeah. Because he says, oh, I've bought this... Creepy fucking doll, so now we're not going to be able to... Have right. We didn't rent. say that. We didn't say <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but shut up. <laughs> so heavy low on the rent for a few months. Um, so yeah, they're just... But then that's the intangible, that someone else might watch it and have and be thinking, what are they talking about? Who cares who these people are? All I care about is that creepy doll. Like... You know, sometimes I think we add too much. But in some movies that are super low quality, in two lines or less, you figure out, even if it's two-dimensional, about a whole character of a person. And then throughout the movie, they either just stick to that thing, and you're you're like, that's it. That's who that person is. 
or you get a clue of who they are, and then throughout the movie it's woven through, and they have a little change here and there, and these people are blank. Yeah. To me. That's why I don't care. And and the other thing... And I, she didn't turn on that, like, mothery thing too much, enough even, like, she was too slow to react to everything, and... I'm not saying that if I was in that situation with a demon in the room, how I would react, but I'm just saying, as a movie watcher, your instinct is, as a mother, you you wouldn't wait to knock the door handle off the door and look and wait and pound on the door when your child is sitting in there on the floor defenseless. You would fucking, like, <laughs> claw it down with your fingernails, you know? But she just sort of like, oh, oh, oh. One, one thing I admire about this movie and I actually admire, and I thought it was going to happen and it didn't, and that's why I admire it, is they didn't go, like, full Chucky with Annabelle. I thought it was going to start walking around and speak. Right, but it's just, that one I think I did admire, Which that they, they established. Done. I admire that yeah. they didn't do that, because it so easily could have done that, and then it could have been, we could have been watching Annabelle 7 in, you know, but, yeah. seven years. The way right? they did that, I think, is good, because it wasn't about her. I was like, it's oh about- no, at some point it is going to walk into the room and start saying things When to she her. does this, and yeah. you're like, uh, and then you realize, that's one of my scares, was like, holy shit, now I get it. I get why she's And moving. that's what I admired, because I thought it was going to get stupid, and <laughs> it didn't really get stupid, it just got uneventful, I think I would like to say. Except for those few moments when somebody had a vision of a scene that was creepy as shit, and that was the case in the basement, and the little girl, and the 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 um where the woman it kind of appears here and there, and your and the reflection in that one, remember in that one framed, when the record player comes on, yeah. you see the reflection and. That kind of stuff, I think, is really well Those done. Those are like the things from Insidious that were cool. Like, things that just are... like where the rec- strings them together. Where the record just jumps on itself, like, just... And you see it in the shot, and you're like, wow, like, things like that are cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. But there's very few and far between in this movie. And nothing, nothing weaves them together, I think. Uh, Ward Horton was the guy, actually, the uh, that he played the, the dude. John He's alright, but really too... Blank. It was almost like a 50s TV show father. I almost think that was the point, and maybe, that they were dreary. But But they weren't dreary. It doesn't make a good movie, like. Oh, I didn't think they were dreary at all. I thought they were just blank. Like cardboard cutouts. One person I did like in this movie was Tony Amendola, who played Father Perez. He was actually pretty good. All the scenes, and there were only a few. He was like my least favorite thing. No, I liked him. I thought he was really not good. I liked him. He had. He just was. He's too stereotypical of I, the priest. I was the definitely thinking. I bet he's been a priest in something else, hasn't he? I bet he's been in a priest in a hundred things, and he's just doing the priest thing again. But he was doing it all right for me. And I shouldn't say I didn't like the guy, the main guy, the other guy, um, Ward Horton, because I thought there were times when they were really natural together, the, the baby and them doing scenes like really good, really relaxed. It was just the rest of the time when there had to be actual fear or you know. And then Action. Uh, Alfre Woodward plays Evelyn, who's the could lady have been anybody. Then, yeah, it's just uh, could have been anybody. It could have been absolutely anybody doing it that. Really part. didn't. I thought it was Viola Davis at first for some reason, and I was like, "Oh, Viola Davis is in this movie. Maybe this is going to like elevate." Alfre Woodward is really good. How could you put her I on any other level? I don't know who she is. Oh my god! Never seen her before. <laughs> um. And she was not... No, she's good. She wasn't she just, not really, she wasn't really good. She was just... No, I mean, she's good. Right. But in this movie, it could have been anybody. The bit where she was stood 
Yeah. For the thing, when she, it was like so melodramatic. I was like, oh, yep. really? Come on. <laughs> that got a little out of hand. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like, oh, rein this back in. Uh, this is directed not by James Wan. He did produce, but it's directed by John R. Leonetta. And when I tell you what else he directed, it might kind of shed some light on this situation for me. He directed uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And the Mortal Kombat movies... Were, you know, I was a big fan of Mortal Kombat and the Mortal Kombat movies came along I was dying to see them and the first one was really cool but that second one was diabolically bad and that's the one he did. He also did the Butterfly Effect which was a pretty good movie Butterfly but he did two. a second one <laughs> which was a bad movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He didn't do the Butterfly Effect. He did the second Butterfly Effect which was a really was bad good. movie. I liked the first one quite a lot. I thought the idea of it was really good. The idea is good, but it's crappy. You well, it would be crappy that. if you rewatched it, but at the time, I actually quite enjoyed it. I remember at the time not liking it. Um, but the Butterfly Effect 2 is horrible. It was on HBO one night, and I was like, what the, What am I watching? I hadn't seen the beginning part. And I was like, I don't know what I'm watching. And at the end, it said that it came up, the title card. I was like, oh, that's what I just watched. It was really bad. It was bad, bad. So that's the, uh, that's, they're the two movies he's done. And, you know, I don't remember anything special about either of those, aside from Mortal Kombat being really bad, like it was bad. Well, there is nothing special then, except that they're not good. <laughs> no, I was trying to think, is there any good qualities to it, either either of those? No, there wasn't. That, the Butterfly Effect felt like a straight-to-cable movie. It really did. It was just bad. Um, so, extras on this Blu-ray, and there are a few. It's nothing to write home about, though. They like those very short, like, there's a bit of an interview, there's a bit of behind-the-scenes... Very shallow. Yeah, but you, you didn't do... get to see the beat demon guy get his makeup put on. But the problem with that one is, you got to see the full everything about it, and in the movie you barely see it. So I liked seeing it. Yeah. Um. And I know if you buy the Conjuring on Blu-ray, the Conjuring does have some good features um, about the real Warrens, about the Warrens story. And I know this isn't this is one of the Warrens stories, but they don't actually cover the real Warrens at all in this uh, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. do they? They don't. Uh, they just do the making of the film, really. And there's some deleted scenes. There's a whole. There's a guy in the deleted scenes who's been had his part cut out completely. Um, the guy, yeah. And he's the guy who plays the demon in the movie, but he also plays like the caretaker of the building in these deleted scenes. But it just adds an element of creepiness. It adds and an element he's also of the composer also. of all the music in the. In the he's the composer. He is like of the score. <laughs> but on these parts, the, these scenes are kind of substantial. They're like quite they're longer scenes than some of the scenes with other people. There's one where he's in an elevator with them, and there's another where he comes and is a bit menacing, where he's fixing some fixing the sink. I'd rather him be the person who brings him because you you know formulaically speaking, you have to have a person who brings you information about what's happening. We have the cop guy who's pretty much unimportant except that he's delivering some exposition for us, and that's what Alfred Woodard does. Yep. To a certain extent. I think you could have taken those two characters out and brought the maintenance guy in as the weird, semi-creepy deliverer of information. And then, you know, yeah, eliminated those other two characters. So, um, yeah, that's the extras. And um, in conclusion, it's probably a bit of a double-sided thing here. I, me, is I've almost forgot what it was about already. Uh, it's not my, it wasn't my, for me at all. I, it didn't do anything for me. And it's not like I don't like all horror movies or anything, because like I say, I enjoyed The Country and I enjoyed Insidious. Um, it's just this one. It just didn't do anything for me at all. Um, and you? I enjoyed it for what it was. 
Definitely. I wouldn't put it on my list of movies to watch every year for my Halloween extravaganza month. But I understand... And I would put The Conjuring on there, because it's quality. It's actual quality movie to watch. It's it's scary, it's creepy, and it's a quality movie. It's... I wouldn't, because I, don't, I didn't think as highly of it as you did. Nor Insidious. They were all right, but they fall apart at a certain point with the f- little bit flaky for me. Like a bad... Like, it's good, it's good, it's creepy, it's good, it's got good qualities, and they're doing... Ugh, and that's what they're doing for the... Ugh. That's where I don't... I would want to stop watching about 20 minutes before they're over and then make it my own ending. As far as horror movies go, I'd give like The Conjuring like a like an 8 and I'd give this like a, a 4. You know, like there's such a big difference in the two movies and they're part of the same thing. You know, I would never give that one an 8. I you would give Magnolia a 10. And no, I said in the scale of horror movies. If I had to so rate it... you give The Exorcist a 10 and that an 8. I'd give The Exorcist a 10, yeah. And that's so close to The Exorcist that you've Yeah, I think it, it was very... Effe- if you go back and listen to the podcast, I really liked The Conjuring. Yeah, I know. I'm just yeah. questioning your judgment. No, I just really <laughs> liked it. Uh, it was an effect. It was a- effective at creeping me out, and that's what I want from a horror movie like that. That kind of horror movie. Supernatural or type. Yeah, I prefer supernatural versus horror as in a thing. Except for I do love Alien very, I like very, gory very much. type stuff also, though. Um, personally, like... It. But I want it to be caused by something supernatural-ish. Something that you cannot explain without some big expositional <laughs> few scenes. Like, I mean, not evil, just evil a guy. Is, like, my right. kind of thing. I don't want just Jeffrey Dahmer, who's... It's a horrific story, and I've seen a couple Dahmer movies which are compelling... But in the end, it is a person who's making the choice to do these horrible things. Whereas in a supernatural element, or like Alien, you've got something outside of your control. Or zombies. Like, that's why I love zombie movies so much and zombie TV shows. Because it's out of your control. You have no... It's doomed. You're doomed. You can never get rid of this doll. You can never get rid of Jason. You can never get rid of Michael. (laughs) And I, While that's cheeky and everything at the end of a movie when you're like, ugh, here we go again... There's something compelling about it. Right, so, yeah, bit of a mixed uh, bag. I'm down on this one, and you're kind of middle of the road. Middle of the road. All right, so thank you to Warner. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. We can, you can win a copy of Nicolas Cage in Left Behind. There's also a, We'll also have a new contest coming up this week where you can win a copy of Lookalike on Blu-ray, so just look out for that. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review will be The Judge which I believe is nominated for an Oscar in some way. Um, it might be Robert Duvall. Um, it's, it's in the awards, anyway. Uh, so we'll be looking at The Judge next week. Uh, movie recommendations. I'm going with the obvious ones, and these are pro- two of the best horror movies uh, from the 70s that you can find. One being The Exorcist. I think it's probably the best horror movie ever for me, out of all the movies of... Any horror movies. Please don't remake The Exorcist like you keep saying you're going to. Don't do that. Um, just really release The Exorcist because it's good, right? Um, my second one is The Omen. The original Omen, which is creepy. That's how to do a creepy movie. It's really, really creepy. The Shining is, is also another one that's super creepy. I don't know that I have the patience for The Shining anymore. I think that I would... I get it. that it, The big hook is that it's so slow and alone and... The isolation is driving everyone mental, and it takes forever, and then a weird thing happens, and it takes forever. 
I don't know that I would be as into it now as I was when I originally watched it, being like, oh, this is so awesome. And I just rewatched Eyes Wide Shut like a week ago, and that's Kubik, Kubik's last movie. And uh, that is so slow. It takes forever. Nothing really happens in that movie, actually. Now, that's your take on it. That's not necessarily the truth. I, I You know, I was very surprised by it, because that is a very highly regarded film. And at the time, I remember being a bit, like, impressed by it. But when you watch it, like, further removed from it, I don't know how old it is, 20 years old? I don't think so. 1999 it came out, didn't it? Or 98? It wasn't 20 years ago. Well, 17... 1999. Right, yeah, so... It's got some very acting things of that time in it. Like, the acting seems... Just like all those Vanilla Sky and those, have, there's a big element of. It's not as great as you think it is. Like in my mind's eye, it was like really great, and then when you watch it, I'm like, okay, it's not quite. It's not, you know, like Tom Cruise doing an, an amazing performance in Magnolia, for instance, which was a similar time, right? around the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just mind blowing that performance to me. Like it's it's Tom Cruise like at the top of his shit, just delivering this character that's not Tom Cruise anymore. Right, it's a character. Yeah. Whereas in, in Whereas Eyes Wide in Eyes Shut, Shut, it's, it's just it's Tom Cruise wandering about. It really is. I can't break the Tom Cruise part of it. You know, he's not. But then you could say that about all a lot of the other movies he's ever done. You can't. Impossible. It's not like that's a like a big strong character of any kind. No, but I mean, I really enjoy him in those, like Minority Report, um, the one we just watched, Live, Die, Repeat, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. You know, I enjoy him oh, in I those. I forgot about That's what the name of that was. I was trying to recommend War of the Worlds. You know, those action-y type movies, sci-fi or whatever that he does. I enjoy him in all those. What was the other one? Live, Die, Repeat, and the one right before that, where there was like clones of him. Clones of? Who? Not the Live, Die, Repeat one. That is also like... That was Edge of Tomorrow. The one before that. Where he was like, it's future, way in the future. Oblivion. Yeah, I yeah. like that one. That's what I mean. He picks. He yeah. does a lot of those type of movies where it's a bit sci-fi or a bit. You but know, there's not a bunch of minority. character going on. No, but I do feel he fits those movies. But yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. It was a weird movie. I was I was watching it again and I was like, wow. You think they were just being indulgent it's because it's Kubrick and yeah. that's yeah. what it is. It's like. It's, they were like the hot thing at the time, him and... And he's, you know, it's Stanley Kubrick. Everybody admires him and he does these avant-garde a little bit films where it's slightly off-kilter. It's a bit of a stretch, but... Average movie-goers movie would be like, what is this? I don't... He's not Malick. Malick no. is the one who goes that extra... <laughs> like, that little... That's not avant-garde either, because avant-garde is not just a little hint of weirdness. Avant-garde is avant-garde. But Malick is over here... And Kubrick's like over here with the like, I gotta be true to myself, but I also have to sell movies. And like a mainstream movie audience might go and see it because they see Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, but when they start watching it, they're like, this is not a movie that I'm used to. I I'm uncomfortable with this. Yeah, it's this weird. isn't Legends of the Fall or yeah. <laughs> Far, it's not far, top far and Away. <laughs> well, Far and Away was the other one they did. But together. anyway, we're a bit off topic there. So next week it's The Judge and they're my recommendations. What are yours? Uh, one of mine is the same as yours, is The Exorcist, because you just can't help it. It's, it's a high-quality demon possession flick. And they tried to make sequels of it. And, and here's it, my and advice to every character for future reference in any horror genre movie. Don't be a priest. 
No. This one didn't. <laughs> well, that one doesn't. Just don't be a priest. If you got to bring God into it, which they always do, because you can't have a demon without your deity. But I mean, you know, <laughs> as soon as a priest walks into a scene where it's like demons, they should go, you know what? <laughs> I've seen The Exorcist. Don't really work. I'm going to send in those people from the 70s. Because <laughs> They're okay. They keep living through all the horrible things. Father Karras. We're going to get him. Yeah. And my other one is Rosemary's Baby. It's one of those, though, I haven't watched for probably 30 years. So I don't know if it's as good as I remember. It's all right. I won't be creeped out the way I was when I was a girl. I mean, I was young when I watched it. Like, I probably watched it the first time it ever hit TV, which, of course, then it would have been watered down. And then I watched it on videotape in my early 20s, which is a long time ago, 27 years ago. So, I think if I watched it now, I might do a little eye rolling at the... Because there was a big craze of demonic possession in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Like, huge into the occult and all that kind of stuff. It was, like, heavy... Like, now we have the zombie thing, and we had the I vampires. we're trying to come back to it, aren't we, with these kind of movies and paranormal activities. And that could and... be the next thing, because you can't have zombies in... We're over vampires now, and zombies will be done, I think, now, because... If you started making a whole bunch more zombie yeah. movies, people would be bored with it. Unless you come up with some new twist on it or whatever. But we got to have something else. And with demonic possession and deities, you just kind of whole spectrum of stuff. So, Rosemary's Baby. Revisit it. And one cool thing about The Exorcist, if you... Uh, I didn't think it was possible, and I've seen The Exorcist loads of times, and then they re-released it on Blu-ray, and you get, like, the director's cut. And the director's cut has got a bunch of new scenes in it. That actually make it creepier. It's it, there's the scene where um, Reagan is having. It's not even a. Oh yeah, it like is. It's a, the brain yep. thing. Yeah, it you don't even know that existed. You, originally. you don't know it existed, and we only see it now, like because and it's perfect. It's in the movie. It's just like it was always there. But it, cre- I can see it, and yep. it creeps me out. I'd forgotten about that. And you know. Oh yeah. There's that stuff isn't superfluous deleted scenes. It actually makes it better. I think it's it's stuff. Not that makes it better. But it makes it more memorable because they're yeah. not pivotal to the story at all. They're not, but they it, not at all. They just it's, add it's like to, they did belong there. Like they, they add to what you would imagine the experience of if that was happening to your child, and if those things also happened, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be even. But worse. the brain testing thing is like it, it's fucked up. Yeah, because it's really long scene. It's really quiet except for the. Dun, dun, it's that seventies way dun, of doing dun, it. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, the, what are they doing to her? Oh, scanning her brain, and she's in the MRI thing. Yeah. And, yeah. It's weird. All right, so games and Ace Scully stuff this week. Not ma- not many things to talk about. Aside from Saints Row Gat Out of Hell came out, which is like a new expansion pack slash standalone game for Saints Row. It's weird. I think it was supposed to be an expansion pack, but then it became big, so they decided to make it a full game. But even though it is a full game, it's only nineteen ninety nine instead of fifty nine ninety nine. So whatever they did, that was it's good value. It's a brand new game. It's totally silly. The character that you play in Saints Row 4, which is the president of the United States, and my president of the United States that I created was a woman with Nolan North's voice. Nice. A a male, a male voice coming out of a woman. (laughs) And what's really funny is when you play the new one, the opening scene, it pulls in your character from Saints Row 4. So they're all sat around talking and you'll get, and I remember when my character, who's like a sexy lady, opened her mouth and Nolan North came out. I was like, oh yeah, we did that to him. That was funny. But then she, your character, the president of the United States, they're all at a party and they're playing with a Ouija board talking about um, the supernatural. And the president, which is your character, gets sucked into a hole to hell and Johnny Gat 
has to go and as the, the leader of the saints has to go and get you back. So your character's gone and you played Johnny Gat this time rescuing your character that you Well you're a woman. Well Kinsey goes in with him, who's like his buddy. Right. Um so yeah, the you go into hell and you have to go and get them back. And that what that brings along with it is a load of new stuff because it's Saints Row, but it's in hell. And you've got these um, angels' wings, so you can fly around the whole level. So you've got this flying mechanic. All the vehicles and everything are all like made out of bones and stuff because it's hell. So they went full depth, full hell. Yeah, everything's hell. You know, it's lava. It's dark. It's brooding. It's not like Saints Row at all. But it adds a whole new level of thing. This part part of it's a musical, which is really well done. It's not like really badly done. It's like like perfect like it's just you know even Johnny Gat starts singing his lines it's it's funny you meet people like Shakespeare and Vlad the Impaler Shakespeare's in hell Shakespeare's in hell because he was like the they kind of describe him as like he just wrote trashy stuff for everybody right he was like the lowest common denominator so he just wrote so his stories were about sex and violence, and so he just get he gets sent to hell as well. And what he does in hell is he's a DJ in the nightclub. <laughs> so it's all bizarre and strange, but it's called "Get Out of Hell." It's um, I was hoping the "Battle of Hell" song would be in there, but it isn't, as far as I can tell. But uh, yeah, it's uh, if you like Saints Row, I think you'll like it. The other thing that came out this week is they announced Windows Ten. They had a big, um, you know what you call it, press conference this week for Windows 10, which is actually coming out in September, but they showed you like an early preview and then the day after they let you download this early preview and they showed you all the new stuff that's going to be in Windows 10. The biggest news about Windows 10 is it's actually free. It's going to be free. If you already own Windows 8 or Windows 7, you actually get it for free. So they're encouraging everybody to upgrade to the latest one. I mean, it's a good it's good for them anyway, isn't it? Because they only have to... Yeah. They support... Well, it's better for a security standpoint if everybody upgrades to their latest one. They only have to work on one of them. But that's unheard of for Microsoft to actually give you a operating system for free. So I'm actually quite impressed. So I actually loaded the um, the technical preview this week. And it ran fine for the first day. And then overnight, they had an update. They did like they rolled out an update to fix some things. And that completely broke it on my machine. It actually blue screened over and over and over again and then wouldn't boot it failed to boot so I had to go back to Windows 8 again I just re re you know installed obviously it'll work fine when it comes out at the end at the end of this process but from what I saw and I did use it all day yesterday it's a very good upgrade there's some really good cool things in there um just small things like those apps those full screen apps on Windows 8 that I never use because they only open full screen and they're kind of That a pain is the, in the best app. thing for sure. They now open in a window and you can have as many of them open as you want. You can have your Netflix and your Xbox Music and your Xbox app which actually lets you talk to people on Xbox and look at all the achievements and stuff. They can all be open in Windows, which it should have been like that in the first place. I don't understand why it never was. They were all about touch screens, weren't they, and tablets back when Windows 8 came out. So I think now they've kind of realized, no, there's different things. There's people on PCs, there's people on tablets. And the interesting, another interesting thing about Windows 10 is it's coming to Windows Phone, 
That gets the free upgrade, so anybody with a Windows phone gets Windows 10. Xbox One is going to get Windows 10 as well, so you'll be able to run the operating system on the Xbox One and use it as a PC. Um, PCs are getting it, tablets are getting it. One of the other features is, if you've got an Xbox One in your living room and a PC in your den, for instance, and they're all hooked on the same network, you can stream Xbox games to your PC. So if you've got an Xbox One in your living room but you want to play it in your office, you can play the games on your PC. They'll just stream from the Xbox to your PC, which is a cool feature, really. Is that, is that bandwidth or is that Wi-Fi thing? It's I mean, just, from device to device? It's device to device, yeah. Okay. So it's like I have a PlayStation TV and I play my PlayStation 4 in the living room. Right. It's that, but the opposite way around. Um, cool feature, because it works really well on the PlayStation 4. We played Game of Thrones the other night, and the PS4 is in this room. Not yeah, in it was that perfect. Room. And it worked perfect, yeah. So that is a good feature. And I think, personally, this streaming thing could be the future of video games. I feel like, you know, the, the age of buying a $300, $400 console, it might be almost gone. Because I think you might just need to buy a little box nowadays, uh, later, and then just stream What's the game. What's your games. prediction? How many years are we talking about? I think 10. <laughs> But I think in 10 years' time, when, when internet connections are very fast and everybody's got a fast connection, you know, when it's got to a mainstream, fiber is the thing and that's what everybody uses. When it gets to that point, when everybody's got that very fast internet connection, streaming games makes total sense. So you'll just, you'll fire up your little box, PlayStation box or whatever it's called. There'll be a menu of games. You'll pick one and it'll just instantly start playing. And where it's actually playing is on their server and you're just streaming it to you. I think that's how it'll be in the future. Because we're going that way. There's so many services offering that now. It's just internet connections need to catch up. So, uh, yeah, Windows 10, you'll be able to all get it for free in September. As long as you own a copy of Windows 7 or Windows 8, which most people probably do if you've got a PC from the last few years. So um, I'll keep you posted. But at the moment, I'm not using it because I can't deal with blue screens. The first thing I thought this morning was, I can't have it blue screen while we're doing the podcast. That's the first thing you thought of? That's the first thing I thought of, because I was like, we need... To, it has to be super reliable for certain things that I do. This, encoding videos. It's a video server in yeah, our Yeah, but it won't do this randomly. It's just because of that back... Or because of that update. Right, but... So if you put it on now and not do that update, then it wouldn't do it You again. can't not do the updates on this preview. They just come. Right. Unless you turn your internet off. Okay. There's no turning them on or off. They want you to always have the latest build, broken or not. They just want you to have it. Right. So, um, yeah, that's Windows 10. So, Sito, what's for dinner? Tonight, I think I've decided on... What's the easiest thing? Pasta and soup. sauce. We don't have any soup. Pasta and sauce, which is like a gluten-free pasta. And that, I always forget the name of it, the Newton, Newton. Newman sauce. Yep. Snackadoodle or something. And I've got that... Uh, Socceroonie. Socceroonie? Yes. And then the textured vegetable protein crumbles. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> or I could say dead cow crumbles. I mean, the, you know, which sounds better? Textured vegetables or dead cow? Uh, or I might end up going in there and throwing a bunch of vegetables in a pot and putting this really mild curry sauce that I got... But the problem with that is I didn't get any rice or any couscous, so we would just have, like, mashed potato with it or something. But, so I think we'll go with pasta. It's really simple, right? So that's what we're having. Sounds delicious. And homemade bread. I've made homemade bread again. 
100% white wheat bread. It's okay. It's not my favorite. I like it mixed better with the white white, unbleached white, and the wheat white. <laughs> I didn't even know white wheat flour existed. Until last week. It is better than whole wheat wheat. This is whole wheat white flour. <laughs> unbleached. It's weird. But when you eat the bread, it's definitely wheat-y. And I like the other just a little bit better. But it's good. Let's, we'll have that with our pasta. A little garlic toast or something. And then my advice is... Subtract every... like. I get a little annoyed when I hear people say, like... You know, I don't know. Like, say there's a bowl of fruit sitting in the break area. And you just pick up a piece of fruit. And you're like, uh, me, this is me. I pick up a piece of fruit and I'm like, well, that's really nice. Obviously, somebody just left it here. That's really nice. And I go on about my day. I don't give a shit who put it there. I think it's a nice thing. I don't start asking around. I don't go, hey, who put the fruit on the table? Are we supposed to eat the fruit on the table? Why is the fruit on the table? Who put the fruit on the I don't give a shit. I'm not into that. I just think, nice. Fruit. There's no sign that says don't eat it. So I eat it. Or it could be cookies or donuts, but I'm going to be good and say it's fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't expect you, who brought the fruit, to come to me and say, oh, by the way, did you eat some of that fruit I put out today? Well, I just thought it'd be really nice to give, you know, to bring some fruit. Well, I understand wanting to be given credit, I guess, for doing a nice thing. A lot of the things that I do that sort of involve little projects, they're kind of, it's too public to be private. Like, it's obvious I'm hanging a banner on a wall, so I can't really do it secretly. Or if I'm doing printed out things for decoration or I'm decorating for snack day. I, I'm not a ghost. I can't just do it and nobody know that it's me. Otherwise, I'd come in at midnight and do it, which I'm not that altruistic. But um, just do, my advice is do something nice and don't tell anybody that you did it, no matter what it is. If it's donating money to something where you can check the box that says, do you want us to send your name to this charity or not? Don't. Just send the money and don't tell anybody you did it. Just do it. If it's simple like bringing some donuts to work and sitting on the break room table and then walking away. And don't tell, don't sit there and grin and be like, oh yeah, I hope you appreciate the donuts I brought you. Because that just makes it like, it's nice and everything. I'm, don't get me wrong. Wanting a little bit of pat on the back or a thank you is nice too. But if you make a habit of doing something nice in any capacity... Just don't, like, wave the banner that you did it and make a habit of it. I don't know what it'll do for you or the world, but just do it. <laughs> it's not even advice. That is homework. True. Just do it. So let me remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sit.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, hopefully this podcast sounds a bit better to you, and you can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace. Well, if it sounds better, it's been sounding like shit for 359 times. True. <laughs> and they've been very patient. You can catch it on the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher.com. You can search for after the show. You'll find it there. You'll also just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe there. Also, you can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com if you want to email and tell me that this sounds better or worse. You can email Sid Talk, uh, but she doesn't want your emails anyway. And... I want to say, um, <laughs> this is hard, isn't it? Stay classy. James Wan, I'm going to say, because he's moving on to the Fast and the Furious, one of my favorite uh, things, even though it is not that classy. <laughs> no. 
So I think James Wan, who did Tokyo Drift, will probably do it. Tokyo Drift's my favorite one. And I will say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.